Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey everyone, Dr. Hondorp here, and I'm really excited to talk to you about today's episode and actually what's going to be a three-part series about intuitive eating. I think this is really an important topic that we need to talk about. So we'll be talking about what intuitive eating is, how it can help you, and how it relates to developing an autonomous and therefore sustainable relationship with food. But first, before we dive in, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free guide. This guide I made for the moments when you have a really strong desire to eat, to cope with your emotions, but it can feel almost impossible to do something else. I created this guide for those moments because the guide is a PDF guide, one page. It lists several different options for things to do instead of eating. It's all about choice, increasing your confidence and therefore feelings of empowerment, So grab it for free by going to the show notes or drhondorp.com forward slash guide. So that's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P forward slash guide for some quick and simple options right at your fingertips for those difficult moments. And then before we dive into today's episode, just a reminder that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and should never be construed as any form of professional advice. All right, so let's dive in and talk about intuitive eating. So I actually did a three-part series on intuitive eating in the fall of 2019. That was back when I just had a blog. I didn't have a podcast yet. And I think it was a really helpful one. So what I did is I kind of updated it and then I created these episodes for you. So I'm really excited to share this with you. So when we talk about what is intuitive eating, let's talk first about those people, those people, the people that stop eating, maybe after they've had half of their delicious dessert or half of a really great meal and they put their fork down without any effort. So I'm not talking about someone who actively limits themselves to half their key lime pie because they only have so many calories left, but someone who truly allows themselves to have as much as they want without guilt and then maybe makes choices to stop solely because they're satisfied, not because they're worried about weight gain or calories. I'm really talking about someone who has true peace in their relationship with food. We often can refer to these people as the intuitive eater or intuitive eaters. 
Now, I used to be incredibly jealous of these people and also kind of in awe of them. I used to think to myself, how on earth are they able to stop when something tastes so good? After many years of work and practice and reconnecting with my own body, I now consider myself an intuitive eater. And I do think that the concept of intuitive eating has a lot of wisdom that we can all learn from as we work to develop a healthier relationship with food. So we're going to talk about that today. So the concept of intuitive eating has actually been around for some time. It was really helpful for me personally, and I've talked about that a little bit. Pretty pivotal for me. The book Intuitive Eating was actually written by two dietitians um, a number of years ago. I actually have to look up the date. I think in 1997, maybe? Don't quote me on that. And it's now in its fourth edition, and it's been adapted and, and changed over the years. Despite being around for a long time, it's actually relatively few people really have heard of it and really know what it is. And it's not really commonly discussed in mainstream like medical communities. So in this next three-part series, I'm going to talk about what intuitive eating it is. So part one today, we'll talk about what intuitive eating is, how it relates to the health at every size movement, a summary of the research, and how it can be useful to you. Part two will cover some of the reasons that intuitive eating might not be widely, more widely adopted, including some alternative views and some unanswered questions. And in that episode, we'll also talk about things that you can take from intuitive eating regardless. And then part three, I'll go over some of the most frequently asked questions that I get about intuitive eating, including the most common one, the holy grail, will intuitive eating help me lose weight? So we're going to be answering all of that, and I'm excited to dive in. But first, we need to back up and say, what is intuitive eating? So taken from the intuitive eating website, it's a self-care framework which integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought, and was created by two dietitians, as I mentioned. It's described as a personal and dynamic process. So this is also taken from the website directly. This is the 10 principles of intuitive eating. So as we sometimes talk about in this podcast, I don't have like a one, two, three framework per se to follow. Although I do have my body respect program. We have uh, people going through that right now and There are absolutely steps I take people through, but kind of similar to intuitive eating, sort of they describe it as like this personal dynamic process. And I think that that's really true. Relationship with food, weight, and eating is very personal. So if I had the exact steps to follow, I would give it to you. But but regardless, we're going to go over these principles. And what I will say is that it's interesting for me to reflect on, I had these blog posts done in uh, the fall of 2019. And actually the principles of intuitive eating have changed because I pulled them from the website and there's been some language changes from then till now. And I'll note a couple of those, but my point being, we always talk in this podcast about like continual improvement and we're all continuing to improve. And that's true of the intuitive eating writers, right? It's true of me as I was updating my posts for this, these episodes. I was updating and changing a little bit about some of the things that I've shifted and changed it over the years too. So 
point being, we're all a work in progress and we're all continuing to work and improve on ourselves and the way we talk about things. So let's dive into the 10 principles. We'll go over them and then kind of talk about the language that's used from the intuitive eating website and and then we'll talk about how these can apply and how they can help you. And you'll notice that many of these are somewhat similar to some of the things I already talked about. So principle number one is reject the diet mentality. And this principle says throw out the diet books and magazine articles that offer you false hope of losing weight quickly, easily, and permanently. Get angry at the lies you've been led to feel, or sorry, the lies that have led you to feel as if you were a failure every time a new diet stopped working and you gained back all of the weight. If you allow even one small hope to linger that the new and better diet might be lurking around the corner, it'll prevent you from becoming free to rediscover intuitive eating. So I think this is one of the main principles that people kind of struggle with a lot and that kind of, they definitely do. And so I think it's one that we have to keep an eye on when we think about how to actually gain benefit from intuitive eating and how this sort of diet mentality or this hope of weight loss can impact our ability to actually tune in and reconnect with our body. So we'll be coming back to that throughout this series. But principle number two is honor your hunger. This principle says we need to keep your body biologically fed with adequate calories, energy, and carbohydrates. Otherwise, it can trigger a primal drive to overeat. Once you reach the moment of excessive hunger, all intentions of moderate conscious eating are fleeting and irrelevant. Learning to honor this first biological signal sets the stage for rebuilding trust with yourself and food. So this is certainly an important one and and it definitely there's a lot of overlap with some of these principles and how we in say cognitive behavioral therapy would address binge eating, this idea of like more regular eating and making sure you're actually eating an adequate number of calories and adequate energy to fuel your body on a biological level. Principle number three is make peace with food. So they say, call a truce and stop the food fight. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. If you tell yourself that you can't or shouldn't have a particular food, it can lead to intense feelings of deprivation that build into uncontrollable cravings and often binge eating. When you finally give in to your forbidden food, eating will be experienced with such intensity, it usually results in the last supper overeating and overwhelming guilt. Moving on, because this next one's really similar. Principle number four, challenge the food police. Scream aloud no to the thoughts in your head that declare you're good for eating minimal calories or bad because you ate a piece of chocolate cake. The food police monitor the unreasonable rules that dieting has created. The food, the police station is housed deep in your psyche and its loudspeaker shouts negative barbs, hopeless phrases, and guilt-provoking indictments. Chasing the food police away is a critical step in returning to intuitive eating. So you'll see this is a lot of overlap with what myself and other psychologists definitely and other professionals as well talk about with all or nothing thinking, good or bad labels for our food. Principle number five is respect your fullness. So this is 
about listening for your body's signals that tell you you're no longer hungry, observing the signals that show you're comfortably full, pausing in the middle of a meal or food and ask yourself how the food tastes and what's your current fullness level. So you can see many of these, there's a lot of overlap with say something like mindful eating. Principle number six is discover the satisfaction factor. They say the Japanese have the wisdom to promote pleasure as one of the goals of healthy living. In our fury to be thin and healthy, we often overlook one of the most basic gifts of existence, the pleasure and satisfaction that can be found in the eating experience. When you eat what you really want in an environment that's inviting and conducive, the pleasure you derive will be a powerful force in helping you feel satisfied and content. By providing this experience for yourself, you will find that it takes much less food to decide that you've had enough. So this one's really interesting, I think. Um, certainly mindful eating talks about how it can become more pleasurable when you approach eating more slowly and mindfully and you can enjoy it more. But this principle also really talks about what they're getting at here is removing the judgment that eating has to be for health and fuel only. And that's something that we often talk about or I often talk about this idea that, and I hear this a lot from people that I wish I could just view food as fuel. They're so sick of food. They almost wish they could just like take a pill that would give them the nutrients they need. And they're just sick of thinking about it. But intuitive eating is all about rediscovering that satisfaction factor and giving yourself permission to enjoy food. And, and often what happens is like you will enjoy it in smaller amounts in a way that actually makes you feel physically and emotionally good. And uh, that can be really empowering. So that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about food freedom and kind of the empowerment that can come with eating food that you truly enjoy and feeling in control. Principle seven is cope with your emotions with kindness. So first they say recognize that food restriction boasts physically and mentally can in itself trigger loss of control, which can feel like emotional eating. Find kind ways to comfort, nurture, distract, and resolve your issues. Anxiety, loneliness, boredom, and anger are emotions we all experience throughout life. Each has its own trigger and each has its own appeasement. Food won't fix any of these feelings. It may comfort for the short term, distract from the pain, or even numb you, but food won't solve the problem. If anything, eating for an emotional hunger may only make you feel worse in the long run. You ultimately have to deal with the source of the emotion. So I thought this was sort of interesting. The language in this edition was changed a little bit. The previous principle was honor your feelings without using food. So I guess it's only a, a small shift. I know with the idea of talking about emotional eating, I see this a lot on some I mean, social media and the internet. I think the biggest thing that when we talk about emotional eating not being bad, we're trying to reduce the this shame or stigma of it. Again, reducing that should of I shouldn't do this, this is so bad. And kind of just looking at and acknowledging that it can be adaptive, but it's also this, this balance of and that's why I created my free guide for like ideas of ways to cope differently. Not, and I say this all the time, not because emotional eating is bad, but it like this principle is saying it's 
you know, rarely going to solve the problem and can lead to avoidance of understanding emotions. I often talk about emotions as guideposts to something that really matters to us. So we don't want to continue to distract away or not feel when it might be something really important that we process through that emotion, or it might be really important that we just sort of look at, hey, this emotion keeps coming up. What does that mean for me? Sometimes that means we need to like make a change in our life, right? If we're sort of feeling something over and over, feeling this urge to do something different or change in your career or a relationship or something like that. So we need to sort of pay attention to that. And uh, that's what that principle is all about. Principle eight is respect your body. This says, accept your genetic blueprint. Just as a person with a shoe size of eight would not expect to realistically squeeze into a size six, it's equally futile and uncomfortable to have a similar expectation about your body size. But most importantly, respect your body so you can feel better about who you are. It's hard to reject the diet mentality if you're unrealistic or overly critical of your body size or shape. All bodies deserve dignity. There's a few language adaptations since the last edition, but pretty similar. So that one obviously is one that many people struggle with a lot. We talk on this podcast sometimes about set point theory and what your set point is and how do you know and trying to, to the, you know, even though it's really challenging to relinquish control and say, well, focusing on changing my body, making my body into something different really, really does any good. Um, and so that's what this principle is all about. Principle nine is movement, feel the difference. It used to be exercise, feel the difference, and they change it to movement in this edition. So it says, forget militant exercise, just get active and feel the difference. Shift your focus to how it feels to move your body rather than the calorie burning effect of exercise. If you focus on how you feel from working out, such as energized, it can make the difference between rolling out of bed for a brisk walk or hitting the snooze alarm. If when you wake up, your only goal is to lose weight, it's usually not a motivating factor in that moment of time. So this, um, I actually haven't read through these principles in a while, so it was kind of fun to do so because it's pretty similar to what we talk about in this podcast, right? So even my little free guided exercise, my guided walk that you can listen to with my voice over up, uplifting music is exactly talking about helping to make this shift, right? Of looking at and exploring um, movements or exercise in a different way and how you're going to feel. So um, you can get that at drhondorp.com forward slash reclaim, and uh, it can help to make this shift that, you know, can be challenging to make for some people. And finally, coming to principle number 10, honor your health, gentle nutrition. So make food choices that honor your health and taste buds while making you feel well. Remember that you don't have to eat a perfect diet to be healthy. You will not suddenly get a nutrition def- nutrient deficiency or gain weight from one snack, one meal, or one day of eating. It's what you eat consistently over time that matters. Progress, not perfection, is what counts. So, yeah, the main thing I've, I've seen with intuitive eating that is, I mean, not necessarily different, but it's really this idea of, like, nutrition matters, um, but we're, like, de-emphasizing the role of habits and looking at our health in a broader way. 
and again, broadening that circle of what is health. And I think that's really important because as our society, we've gotten so obsessed and I can even fall into this too, of focusing on like, focus on your habits. And of course your habits for sure matter, how you eat, how you move, how you feel, fuel your body. But when over-focus on that is becoming so stressful and so hard to kind of focus on making changes, then that is very much counterproductive, right? So it's not a coincidence that this principle is 10 out of 10, because in the book, they talk about doing the other work first um, and kind of looking at the nutrition piece, because sometimes looking at nutrition too much can impair that ability to like really explore what works for you, your body, your preferences, and your life. So, and I'll touch briefly on, you know, our episode last week was with Anique Besso, Health at Every Size Dietitian. So I think that's a great episode to check out about Health at Every Size, but I'll briefly mention that intuitive eating is aligned with Health at Every Size because, and this is a quote from the website as well, because pursuit of intentional weight loss is a failed paradigm, which creates health problems, including weight stigma, weight cycling, and eating disorders. Intuitive eating and health at every size proponents talk about the importance of abandoning efforts to intentionally restrict food intake for the purpose of weight loss, as this often keeps the cycle of dieting and weight cycling going and impairs one's ability to determine true hunger and satisfaction. So one of the major components, um, at least this is the one that kind of stands out to me, I think, about intuitive eating is unconditional permission to eat, described in principle three. This can be viewed as very counter to the mindset of someone focusing on dieting or weight loss. And what I will say about this, this idea of unconditional permission to eat, it's, um, it's a personal one, it's a nuanced one. So it's like, the way I think about it anyway, is Um, I do think I give myself unconditional permission to eat. And I've talked about in this podcast, like some of the things that have been helpful to me and and getting out of that binge diet cycle. Intuitive eating in this book definitely was a pivotal pivotal thing, Um, like to truly be like, okay, I'm still in diet mentality. And that's undermining my ability to like not binge eat basically. And unconditional permission to eat truly is like, I can eat whatever I want. And that choice I end up, especially now in my life, like I end up choosing, I would say gradually quote unquote healthier things. Although I don't know, it's it's hard to, you know, capture your eating in one sentence. Right. Um, but the unconditional permission to eat, I think people hear that term and they sort of think like, first of all, they don't trust themselves to do that because of the mistrust in their bodies. That's so common with, diet culture and sort of weight cycling, but also they associate it with like eating a lot of unhealthy things and they think, well, that's not going to be helpful, but it's really, when we talk about, you know, me, I love talking about autonomy and what I think it does for people is it gives you true autonomy and choice. And then you can make this choice from this really internal value-based place where you're like, um, this is the food that makes me feel best and makes me be able to show up in my life the way that I feel really energized. I feel really good. So that's definitely where I make the choices from now. But I would say that it did take this like unlearning of the diet mentality to like get myself there fully. 
I always say like I made progress kind of gradually across the years and then intuitive eating in this, um, this book was, did highlight for me like, oh yeah, you're still kind of caught up in trying to control your body or mold it into a certain way. And that's impairing your ability to truly achieve this food freedom feel. So, so what do we know about intuitive eating from the research? So having an intuitive eating style based on a questionnaire has been associated with reduced emotional eating, less preoccupation with food, and a lower body mass index, particularly in women. Um, and it's important to note here, though, that association or correlation doesn't imply cause. So those things can be associated, and they have been. When non-dieting approaches were reviewed in a systematic review, this review included intuitive eating and health at every size type interventions, among other non-dieting approaches like mindful eating. These interventions were found to be associated with reduced disordered eating, depression, as well as increased self-esteem. When it comes to weight or other biological health outcomes, most studies found no significant weight loss with the non-diet approaches, although there were improvements in biological markers like hemoglobin A1C or blood sugar control over the past three months, lipid profiles like cholesterol, triglycerides. And to be fair, this was typically seen in the diet comparison group as well. But given that weight regain is so common, it's possible that these improved biological outcomes with the non-diet approach would last longer if the weight is regained in the diet condition as it often is. So as always, we need longer term studies, but promising results. So in summary, at least over the time period studied, up to two years in some studies, it seems pretty clear that intuitive eating can positively impact psychological and health outcomes. Although people that engage in intuitive eating haven't been consistently found to lose weight, this is consistent with intuitive eating and the health at every size framework, that intuitive or intentional weight loss does not work long-term and that non-dieting approaches can improve our psychological and physical health. So in terms of mindfulness or mindful eating, I did want to mention my, um, my colleagues and I did a review of mindfulness-based interventions and found a similar result. So Mindfulness-based interventions improved binge eating, emotional eating, but didn't result in weight loss for most people, at least over the time periods that we studied, which were relatively short. So given that much of intentional weight loss is regained, and even just saying you're on a diet to lose weight is associated with weight gain over time, non-dieting approaches like intuitive eating or health at every size offer an alternative approach that is more consistently associated with improved psychological and health outcomes over the long term. So my next post is going to dive into some of these concepts a little more and review some of these core components that I think are most helpful in moving you towards a healthier, more autonomous relationship with food and your body. But one of the things that I'll cover now is, you know, this idea of like, how is intuitive eating actually going to help me? And I sort of mentioned this earlier, but if you and I have talked at all or you've listened to anything, you know my deal is talking about autonomy and autonomous change. I believe that intuitive eating and mindful eating both help a lot of people by moving them away from shoulds and towards figuring out what works for them. So I often talk about the diet mentality and how this thinking pattern is kind of by de definition external motivation 
So external motivation tends to be associated with fits and starts of motivation and short-term change. Autonomous motivation is typically associated with feelings of choice and maybe intrinsic enjoyment of the behavior and is associated with longer-term change. So essentially, my thought is that the holy grail of behavior change is moving towards autonomous control over our, our health behaviors or just our bodies in general. And I think intuitive eating and or mindful eating can be an excellent way to get there. And then, you know, the, the next couple posts and episodes will talk about this more, but this question, is intuitive eating for everyone? I think I've made it quite clear that I think intuitive eating principles and framework are incredibly valuable and useful. I use them or I talk about them in my body respect program, my online program. But to say anything is for everyone is almost always a bit of a stretch. I think for health, there's never really a one size fits all solution. And if nothing else, because we're all individuals with different thoughts, beliefs, and preferences. So I think there are ways outside of the specific intuitive eating paradigm that can help people move towards autonomous and therefore sustainable relationships with food. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to language and how these concepts resonate with you or don't resonate with you. So I think we kind of naturally select the things that we are, that appeal to us. Um, so I think the Holy Grail is autonomous motivation. And I think intuitive eating and mindful eating can be a great way to move you towards that. So I will be back next week with more information. We're going to answer some common concerns or objections that I hear about intuitive eating. And then in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. Do you have thoughts about intuitive eating? Has it been helpful to you? Do you think it'd be helpful to you moving forward? Why or why not? Um, is there anything that excites you about it or concerns you? I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send me a message on Instagram. I'm at psychology.of.wellness. Uh, and just as a reminder, make sure you grabbed your free resource, the PDF guide for looking at alternative things to do besides eating. We got links. We have, of course, a link to a Brene Brown video, but we also have some like really easy, quick things you can do that don't have to be in front of a screen. So grab that PDF guide with 23 positive ideas for things to do in the moments when you have a desire to eat and you'd really prefer to do something else. That can be found at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. So I hope you guys have a wonderful week and thanks so much for listening. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.